0: What a second half from North Carolina to put away a very good Wake Forest basketball team. Y'all, we better enjoy every single moment of this ride. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into this live reaction from North Carolina's 85 64 victory over Wake Forest on Monday night. Woo-hoo-hoo. I don't know about you guys, I am riding high. And I know we might, like, Carolina's gonna get picked off at some point this season, it's inevitable. But I am enjoying every moment of this. I know you are as well. Uh, the live chat is going strong already. Come on in, we see some great stuff going on. Uh, if you got questions for us, we're going to get to those later in this live reaction show. So go ahead and drop those in, um, let's go ahead and get some updates as we're rolling yet another double digit victory for Carolina. This one by 21 points, Carolina has now won seven straight ACC games by double digits. I guess I got to eat it. Cause I said, you know, uh, Carolina's going to win this game, but I don't think it's, I don't think they're going to cover the spread. <laughs> oh, I gotta hide my face on that one because I blew it. But you know what? I gladly blew it. I'll take it. Nine straight overall wins by double digits. Wild stuff there. Overall, Carolina is now sixteen and three, eight and zero in ACC play. They are currently, as we record, up to sixth at Ken Palm. I believe that's a season high at Ken Palm. They're 15th in offensive efficiency still, but they've moved up one more slot in defensive efficiency up to number three, uh, I believe replacing Iowa State, who has now gone to fourth. So here's how we do these live reaction shows. I want to give you four things that we'll talk about, quick ad read, four more things, and then we will take some questions and observations from you guys in Uh, the chat going on over there. So let's get right into these first four things as we do. So I want to get the box score up for you so you can uh, check in on that in real time as we're talking. If you're watching, if you're listening back to this later, because I will publish this in the audio feed as well. So you can hear that. um, Like you can just pull up the box score or just listen to me as well. Speaking of which, we will also do a full show tomorrow as we always do. Um, If you're watching this or listening to it way later, here's the link to that one on YouTube for you. All right. Number one thing we want to hit on. One of the main things we talked about on Monday's show was Carolina needs a quick, like has a quick turnaround and they got to be locked in and ready to go. Y'all, there was nothing to worry about. The energy was there. Uh yes, I mean they they had a de- they were losing at halftime, sure. But by like they're still kind of diagnosing what Wake was doing, all of that kind of stuff. So the, the first thing to look at is quick turnaround, no problem. This is nothing to worry about. That Carolina had just gotten that number three AP ranking today, way to go. And they needed to show tonight that they deserved it. And that's exactly what they did. They backed this up against a Wake Forest team, folks, I hope you understand how good this team is. And it's like, to to discredit Wake Forest would be to not um, give Carolina the credit for what a great victory this is. Not only to just win against a good Wake team that just got Damari Monsanto back, that's had Efton Reed back for however many games now. Carolina not only won, but they dismantled Wake Forest in the second half stopping them from doing what they do so well. We'll talk more about that in a second. So Carolina proves they deserve that number three ranking. Perhaps most importantly, as we think about ACC stuff, Carolina maintains that two game lead they have in the ACC standings. And now of the four teams that are right behind, right behind them with two losses, Carolina has a tiebreaker over three of them, obviously Wake. And as we said on today's full show, this is the only game Carolina plays Wake this regular season. So that tiebreaker is in stone. So Carolina essentially has a three-game lead over Wake. They also right now hold the tiebreaker over Florida State, who has two losses. Obviously, the second game against them is this Saturday. So an opportunity for Carolina to cement that tiebreaker as well. And then the other is NC State, who has two losses, one of which is to Carolina. And the other game against NC State is back in the Smith Center. So that's great. And then the only other team with two losses is Duke, and we know those games are still upcoming. So uh, Carolina has put themselves in great, great position in the ACC standings by getting yet another victory. And by the way, remember this. the, The Saturday to Monday turnaround is the exact time frame of what you do in NCAA tournament play. And so Carolina's ability to win at BC on Saturday and then turn around and do this tonight, that bodes very well for NCAA tournament play. All right, let's get to the number two thing. I can't believe we've gone this long and we haven't yet said his name, R.J. Davis. My goodness, this dude is an alien. I don't think he is human. There are still 12 conference games left to play for the Tar Heels, but I tell you what, this man Tonight might have just sewn up ACC player of the year. He was already for me the front runner out ahead of Kyle Pil- Filipowski, R- uh PJ, um, um, PJ Hall from Clemson and some others. But what RJ Davis just did is, is insane. Uh, 36 total points, career high. I mean, are you kidding me? It's, it's insane. 23 of those were in the second half. And what I love about it is it was like RJ did that, but it didn't even feel like he was hunting his shot to, to the ball hoggery of others not getting their shots. Um, clearly, Wake was trying to run him off the three-point line in the first half. Like um, They were talking about that during the game. Corey Alexander and Dave O'Brien were um, said that Coach Forbes had talked about that. And I loved RJ's willingness to, okay, fine. I'll just get all these layups and floaters in mid-range, and that's great. But then in the second half, it just started to open up a little bit, and RJ was able to get those threes going and wind up four of eight from three. I haven't yet input all the stats to know where that brings RJ's three-point percentage to on the season. But I think critically what's so important about what RJ does is it's really efficient. He scored 36 points. Some might do that and need like 32 shots to get there. RJ did this while shooting over 50% from the field, 14 of 23. That's incredible. Not to mention, he also chipped in four boards, two assists, and had zero turnovers in this game. We're not going to talk about the turnovers um, here on the live reaction. I'll probably talk about it on the full show tomorrow. But Carolina had just eight turnovers in this entire game. That was one fewer than the first half against Boston College on Saturday. So a really great job by the Tar Heels all around there. So RJ, I just don't know what else we can say but to just keep enjoying what he's doing. And I I love I love how happy this team gets for each other. It's not like ah oh, RJ scoring all the po-. it's like Elliot's like "homie, you've sc- you've tied your career high. Go break it." You know what I mean? Like That is awesome. And I love how they celebrate each other. All right. Number three in our first thing, uh, our first four takeaways from this game the defense. I mean, same thing I just said about RJ. What else can we say about Carolina's defense? I already said they're now up to number three at Ken Palm defensive efficiency. Let's just look at some of the raw numbers. Wake Forest, I mentioned this on today's full show, came into this game having scored under 70 points just once all season. And that was their season low 66 against Virginia, who you expect them to be under 70. And North Carolina holds this team, this Wake Forest team, that's one of the highest scoring teams in the nation to 64 points. I mean, what? And now that means Carolina, like, let's zoom out from just this game. Nine straight wins. All all nine of those games, Carolina has held their opponent to 70 points or less. Carolina held Wake to just one, one fast break point. That means over the course of the last three games, so um, Louisville, Boston College, and now Wake, those three teams combined have scored a total of one fast break point. That's right. Zero fast break points against Louisville or Boston College and one. That's almost more funny, honestly. Um, Wake came into this game. Number 12 in three-point field goal percentage. And I said, you heard me say it over and over again. I am concerned about how this is going to play out because of the advantages that it seems like uh, Wake has in individual matchups. They come in with a deadly three-point attack, but Carolina comes in as one of the best three-point field goal defensive teams in the nation, and something's got to give, and something did give. Carolina obliterated the Wake Forest three-point attack. They were only able to go three of 20 from deep. That's 15%. Now, on on tomorrow's full show, we'll unpack the entirety of that and the way Carolina has been holding. I'm so petty that I keep laughing about Kevin Keats and his like, oh, oh, that's cute. Well, we just missed a bunch of shots. That wasn't really so much about Carolina's defense. Kevin Keats, whenever you're ready to take that back and recognize how good this three-point defense is, we're just waiting on your apology, my dude, because Carolina is holding team after team after team to very low three-point shooting. And in totality, Wake only shot 35% from the field. It also helped that they went 19 of 25 from the free throw line, uh, several percentage points below their season average. Obviously, that didn't really have anything to do with Carolina, but hey, we'll take it (laughs) all the same. All right, number four in the first four observations that we want to look at. This was my big takeaway from the Boston College game that's really just been building on what Carolina's doing. But man, does this team, know how to close a basketball game. This is one of my things that always shows me what an elite team is. because not only does Carolina have spurtability, offensive offensively, they have close ability. Multiple times they, this season, they've done it in a really rough, tumble-gritty sort of way, especially all, all, I feel like all four of these road games that they've had, they've been able to do it against Pitt, just like a late push to get that double-digit win. Same thing against Clemson and NC State and Saturday at Boston College. But this thing, man, it, it spanned Carolina closing this game and just shutting down Wake was like the entire final 13 minutes of the game. As you know, Carolina was down one at the half. Wake kind of had this nice little push at the end of the first half. Monsanto got untracked, hit back-to-back threes. um, And it was like, man, you know, Wake might be getting a little momentum here. And they take a one-point lead into the halftime locker room. But then Carolina comes out and, you know, they're just starting to get their rhythm going. Leading into the under-16 timeout of the second half, Carolina made six straight field goals and hit another one right out of that timeout. So they had that span of seven straight made field goals. And you look up, there's 13 minutes left on the clock, and Carolina has just kind of quietly built a seven-point lead. And I'm thinking, man, this team knows how to do it. So I wrote in my notes, I've got it right here. Can they maintain and push out? Meaning, does this team not only continue to know how to get a lead, but also expand it. And they just systematically kept doing that. It got up to nine, 11, 14, 16, 18, 20, 21, 24. It just kept growing because North Carolina is so systematic offensively. They're going to take what you give them. All of these complementary parts allow them to find a crease, a nook, and a cranny, and then go attack it. And you know that defense is doing the work on the other end. So Carolina, down one at the half, outscores Wake 52-30 to in the second half of this basketball game. This is an elite team that not only has spurt ability, but they have close ability, and they did it in a different way in this game than they have in those road games where they've had to grit out those possessions to get that lead. I love to see it. All right. I got four more key observations I want to make. We're going to do that in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that this live reaction episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are rolling. We know the four teams in the conference championship games, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. Their app is really easy to use, and there's a bunch of different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in their Explore tab. How about the ACC regular season odds? Carolina's odds just keep growing. Right now, Carolina minus 340. It was just like one something, the other 100 something the other day. Duke plus 380, Wake at plus 1600. These are before this game, by the way. So that's only going to grow now. NC State plus 5000. That's the fourth place odds. And everyone else is way worse than that. So if you want to get in on that action, visit fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. All right, folks, you're joining Isaac Shade here. Getting quick drink because my voice is already leaving me. I can hear it on this live reaction. The North Carolina's big time 21 point victory over Wake Forest on the first big Monday of the season for ESPN. So this was a national broadcast. Everyone's dialed in. There's no Monday night football. What a performance in front of a big national audience. Um, So got four more observations I want to make for us. And then I see that the comments are continuing to go off. And so we'll go get um, your questions after we make these four observations. And then don't forget to tune into tomorrow's full show where we'll unpack this game even more. All right. So the fifth observation we want to make is Carolina got a kill shot in the first half. If you're unfamiliar with a kill shot, one of the great college basketball analytics sites out there is Evan Mia, M-I-Y-A.com. Evan Miyakawa is his name does some, uh, just similar to Ken Palm or Bart Torvik does really, really good stuff with college basketball. But one of the things he tracks is what he calls kill shots. This is any, uh, 10, 0 or more run that a team has in a game where you score 10 unanswered points. He, in fact, put a graphic up recently. He tweeted it out, um, to show how many teams are getting kill shots versus allowing kill shots. Carolina is one of the best, very best teams in the nation at doing this. You can go find that on um, his Twitter thread. In fact, I think I quote or or I retweeted it so you can find it on mine as well if that's easier for you. But Carolina in the first half of this game got a kill shot. It was actually exactly a 10-0 kill shot. And why it was important, you I mean, we already talked about Carolina was down one at the half, but why this kill shot was important is because Wake had a 14 to 12 lead at the beginning of it, Carolina was just kind of, you know, just bouncing back and forth a little bit. Hadn't really established uh, the ability to start showing that they were the better team in this game. From down 14 to 12, Carolina goes on that kill shot run exactly 10-0 to take a 22-14 lead. Now, obviously, Wake battled back and they retook a lead and all that. That was great. But why I bring this up is because Carolina has a great Uh, ability to do this and is going to need to keep using these throughout the season. What I loved about this one in particular is I believe four of those 10 points were Jalen Withers free throws. And then uh, right after that, Elliot Cadeau had that great defensive possession where he kind of stole the ball, uh, took off, got a layup um, up over Andrew Carr, who had already picked up two fouls, so he couldn't get another one. So he just kind of had to stay vertical and not really contest. And then Elliot got right back down the court for another layup. Um, and so that was eight of his, or, um, eight of those 10 points in that run. So great to see that that kill shot is coming largely from Jalen Withers and Elliot Cadeau points. Great stuff there. So that's just something to keep track of. So if you ever hear me or someone else say kill shot, you just know that that means we're talking about a 10 O run or better. And man, Carolina has gotten a lot of these, this season. So the kill shot didn't win the game, but it set the foundation for what the Tar Heels did. Number two in this back half for observations, Harrison Ingram y'all is like, he was already doing a ton for the Tar Heels this season in, in a whole bunch of different ways, but man in ACC play, he has taken this thing to a new level. Another double double for Harrison in this game, 10 points, 14 rebounds, by the way, if you check out his stat lines, this is his third double double in the last four games. I'm telling you, he's rising to a different level. What I loved was um, Harrison's ability to utilize that kind of post up game where he just backs down a shorter defender and scores over them. He did that multiple times over Hildreth in this game. You know, we got that too small movement from him a couple times. And, you know, we've talked a lot about Carolina's rebounding. We'll do that some more here in a second. But so much of Carolina really taking off as a team in terms of rebounding has been because of what Harrison Ingram is doing on the glass. Let me put it to you this way. In the first 12 games of the season, Harrison Ingram had double-digit rebounding games just twice. So first 12 games, two double-digit rebounding games. In these seven games since, Carolina's played 19 total, so two in the first 12. In the seven games since then, he's got double digit rebounds five times, five times, including that 19 point or 19 rebound ridiculousness against NC State. Again, 14 here today. Um, if you need another example of how Harrison just affects, the game in so many different ways. He had the highest plus minus for Carolina in this game, actually the highest plus minus, obviously of anyone on the court at plus 25, Elliot and RJ were tied for second best at plus 19. So he was that much um, more impactful, by the way, if you're not sure what plus minus is, it's just how, how many points more or less you score than your opponent when that player is on the court. So that means when he was on the court, Carolina was 25 points better than wake forest in a game that Carolina won by 21. So yeah, Harrison is doing this thing. All right. Uh, the third thing I want to mention in this back half four observations, get another drink here really quick. To me, I'm curious if you feel different. This was the best that the backcourt combination of Elliot Cadeau and R.J. Davis has played together all season. Wake Forest was so content to run Carolina off the three-point line that both Elliott and R.J. diagnosed it either by themselves or with the help of the coaches. And what did they do? This is the point. They attacked the rim, attacked, 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 and they did not stop. They did not give up. They just kept getting to the rim and it paid off in big time ways. We already said, uh, you know, that, that RJ in this game was 14 of 23. Elliot was seven of 12. That's really efficient as well. Didn't attempt a three. um, And so many of those from Elliot were him getting to the rim, finding a crease and getting there. In fact, he would have had two more points. I think that ball that, that Mondo got offensive basket interference on, on second look, the, the spin of the ball, I think it was actually going to drop in. Did y'all notice that? I, I really feel like it was. So, Elliot, man, finishes this game three assists, just one turnover, had that steal, but also 14 points. That is not a career high for him. He had, I believe it was 15 in, uh, forgive me, I forget which game it was earlier this season, but it is the most points he scored in an ACC game, and to see him just continuing to rise Um, in conference play as a freshman, man, this consistency that he gives is so, so important to this team's uh, success going forward. All right. The last observation I want to make, and then I want to get to all of your great comments and questions is North Carolina does it again on the rebounding. So, I mean, we've talked about it since the Oklahoma game. Carolina has won every single rebounding battle, and every one of them has been by at least seven. The only game that was uh, seven was the NC State game. Is that right? Yes. Every other game since the Oklahoma game has been uh, a double-digit rebounding margin for the Heels. I haven't put in the numbers to look at where the season average rebounding is right now, uh, I'll have that ready for the full show but right now uh carolina out rebounded wake Forest 43 to 30 in this game interestingly the offensive rebounds were down for carolina they only got six in this game um and they have I think that's just the second or third time this season that they've been held to single digit offensive rebounds again I'll have all that ready for the full show but um really good stuff from Wake to Hold Carolina at Bay they're on the offensive glass armando had 3 of those 6 um and cormac had 1 and then the other two actually were dead ball uh offensive rebounds. so meaning that they were uh, the missed front end of two free throw shots so um that's that's where that is um in carolina in the at, at halftime Here's what I want to show you at halftime. Carolina was leading on the, on the, uh, rebounding battle, but it was only by one 18 to 17. So part of Carolina's ability to push out, uh, a lead has been getting to the glass. So in the second half alone, they out rebounded Wake Forest 25 to 13. I mean, just really, really putting it to them in the second half. So great job by the Tar Heels there. That's our eight observations in the live reaction. Obviously, we'll have a lot more in tomorrow's full show. Make sure you tune into that, either listening or watching. All right, let's get to your questions and observations. See what we got. Oh, man, everyone is in on the defense. You love to see That We've got our guy Alex Dukosin coming in from Hawaii saying aloha, talking about how um, he uses the box score from games to make math word problems for them. I love this, Alex. I am a math nerd. I geek out on it. I'm sure all of you know that because of how often I use stats uh, to back up our points and and show all those things. And so, uh, my man, I am right with you on all that. Keep it going. Would love to, would love to come hang out with your class sometime. Let's zoom in. I'd love to do it. Okay. Um, here is, um, man, several people giving me, uh, some crap from missing, uh, Carolina covering the spread. That's hilarious. Um, look, Jan Ennis has it right, right here or Jan. It might be Jan actually says, can someone please for I'm adding this for the love of everything. Holy tape Cormac Ryan's ankles prior to every game. I mean, just wrap it up with all the athletic tape you have poor Cormac. This is the third time he's tweaked an ankle. This time it was his right one. Thankfully. I mean, you saw it, if you were watching the game on the replay, it actually didn't look like it was too bad. Um, But I mean, still, it it obviously hurt him, but thankfully he was able to pretty much check right back into this thing. Let's keep scrolling, see what other questions have RJ, my glorious king. I love that one. That's great. What a different man. John says it. What a difference. John sink. What a difference a year makes, huh? And you guys, I, I said it at the top of this thing, but please do not, do not take this for granted. Now I know at Carolina, we have a lot of these types of years, but how much more special is it when it's you know like, I think we thought this team would be better, but you are, you are lying to me. If you thought you expected this, I look, hand up. I'll say it. I didn't, I expected Carolina to be good. I did not expect what we're seeing on the court game after game after game. So please, please appreciate this. This is far and away the best regular season Carolina has had under Hubert Davis. Please give this man his flowers. He has done it so, so well. All right. Emily Von Pocky says, what's up, Emily? What was the most important second half coaching or players adjustment you saw that got the offense firing on all centers? This is a great question from Emily. Part of it, I think, was, you know, Wake was attacking Carolina defensively a little bit differently than a lot of teams have, um, like trying to run them off the three-point line, force other stuff. And so Carolina, in the halftime locker room, was able to figure out uh, some more strategy to see how they could get that going. I mean, part of it was, Emily. let's just be honest, part of, part of the important thing was RJ just getting unleashed. Had nine straight Tar Heels points. Carolina was 0 of 8 from 3 in the first half. They started the second half three of three from deep um, and finished the game five of seven, five of 15. Do you know what that means? That means in the second half, after going 0 of eight, they went five of seven in the second half. So, Emily, that's a critical piece to it right there. Um, But so I think what it was was in the first half when Carolina built that lead off the kill shot. Wake was able to make a push back after that. In the second half, they weren't. RJ helped build that lead with those three pointers, and then that and one right after it, and then the Carolina defense <laughs> suffocating, and Wake wasn't able to do anything else. So, Emily, I think that was a big part of it. And and again, we just got to keep crediting the defense. That is such a big part of what's going on there. Let me see if we got some other questions or um. Ob- oh, I want to I want to mention this from Scott Graham. Scott says accountability is key this season, and everyone buys in 100%. Y'all look, I've said it multiple times, but if you haven't hear me, heard me say it, let me say it right now. Two years ago, Brady Manic was Mr. Accountable. You remember it from press conferences. He would call out himself. <laughs> he would call out his teammates. He would call out the, the entirety of the team. Like, we all have to be better. Last year, there wasn't anybody that was willing were capable of, to do so. Maybe they were capable, but they weren't willing. Um, Coach Davis tried it at times, but there was nobody just able to step up and take on that onus and say, we must be better. We, ha- we cannot do this. But what I love this year is there's two of those transfers that came in. And it's Harrison Ingram, who might be a little crazy in a good way, and Cormac Ryan. These two dudes will not have it. They bring this accountability. We've seen RJ's leadership rise up in big ways this year. I think uh, he is more vocal and outspoken. And so everyone is holding everyone accountable. And I think that's a great, great point. Okay. Um, let's see if we got another question or two. Oh man, somebody talking about RJ coming back. I don't, don't get me excited about that right now. Um, Yeah. Uh, Carson Hooper, let's, let's just go into this says, will RJ ever get drafted? Y'all I would love it if he did, because the skills are there. The NBA is just always so hesitant with smaller players. You got a great example of this tonight, actually, because, you know, I talked about how I was worried about Carolina's matchups. Um, I actually thought we'd see either Elliot or maybe Cormac Ryan on Hunter Shalas, who's six, five. But R.J. drew the the defensive assignment on Hunter Salas. You saw it. First Wake Forest possession. Anybody remember what happened? They went straight to Hunter Salas, who attacked R.J. Davis, got a bucket, 2-0. And all of my fears were boiling to the surface. But then Carolina's defense was able to do the things they need to do, as I expected. When Seth Trimble came in, he took the Hunter Salas assignment. And man, there was this one possession where Salas just tried to straight line drive on Trimble and he was having none of it. And in fact, just forced a, a travel on Hunter Salas. Great stuff there. Carson, I I to this day still have not seen RJ on um, NBA big boards or, or drafts or mock drafts or anything like that. Now, if he keeps doing this, he, he's going to rise up. I mean, that You know, the buzz is going to be there. There's going to be more conversation. Hey, like maybe this is one of those outliers that can get it done, even though he's six feet tall. I I just, there aren't many NBA franchises that are willing to take a chance on a guy that's six foot. I don't like it. Um, There are clearly guys that have had success, but they are the exception rather than the rule. Now here's the thing. RJ Davis, hear me say this, Carson Hooper and everyone out there. RJ Davis is going to make a career for himself playing basketball. It's just that it might be overseas or if he wants to make a go of it, you know, I believe he, he could stick really well um, in the G league or or doing any of that stuff. So we'll see what happens, but uh, I just, I don't know. I do not know what he's going to do next year. Um, I think a lot of it might depend on how the rest of this year plays out. We just got to keep waiting to see. All right. Uh, Let's see if, um, yeah, Scott, I, I want to bring this up from Scott tooth. This is another great point from Scott. It's annoying to me. The hate Mondo gets for quote unquote, subpar performances. Stats don't tell the whole story. Mondo tonight destroyed wake in the post seals that allowed Elliot and RJ to drive the basket. And Scott, man, thank you for bringing this up. It is so very true. Multiple times, uh, uh, Armando was able to seal off, particularly Efton Reed. That just allowed, um, like, if Elliot got a step on his primary defender, was able to get to the bucket, and because of Mondo's seal, there was no help defense able to come from Efton Reed. Great point, Scott. Let me also point out on the other side of the court. Um, so many times, Wake Forest I tried to isolate Armando on uh, Efton Reed in the post, and Mondo was right with him, bang for ba- you know, banging in the post. I. If I counted correctly, there was only one bucket that Efton Reed had in those possessions. Armando did a great job walling him off defensively. So, Mondo finishes two of six for five points, one of two at the free throw line, seven boards. He did have three turnovers, but he also had a steal. And hear me say this, four blocks from Armando in this game. So, there is so much more that he is doing than just, you know, Mondo didn't get a double-double. Here's the wake-up call, folks. Here's the reality. This Carolina team doesn't have to rely on Mondo to get double-doubles game after game after game. In fact, there are some ways in which you might think this year, Carolina might actually be a better team if Mondo's doing like just shy of or right at double-double kind of ability because you got other guys that can do a lot of what he's not having to do. So if Mondo's boxing out Efton Reed, really far so that he can't get an offensive rebound and Harrison Ingram gobbles them all up. That's how I want to end a defensive possession. So Scott, great point, my man. Thank you for bringing that up. He is absolutely unselfish as Scott said right after that. Um, so that's great. Let's see if we can get maybe one more question from everyone. Man, Nintendo nerd says that triple doubles coming for Harrison. I would love to see that. Let's see what, um, any other stats he, yeah, there's nothing else that really got to triple triple doubly tonight, but man, I would love to see it. Uh, and, and hope that Harrison is somebody that sticks around for another year. All right. I'm not really seeing more questions. If I find some more questions in here further on down the chat, I tell you what, um, I'll grab those and we'll drop them into tomorrow's show. Um, In in the full show, but I I don't want to keep everyone hanging around while I just scroll through everything. So I want to say a big word of thanks for everyone joining in with us tonight. It's great to be together, great to celebrate another victory for these Tar Heels. Man, I tell you absolutely what, y'all, this season is a blast. It's a great ride, and I'm so excited to be on that journey with you. If you are not in our Discord, you've got to come join us this thing is blowing up we've j- we've only had it for a couple months and now it's grown up over 200 people um lots of people diving in great conversation the live game day thread is a blast and you don't want to miss it so we're gonna have the uh full game recap tomorrow and then coach pat kilby will be with me this week coach rob will be with me this week friday we'll get ready for uh, another road game heading down to tallahassee florida just went to boston college now got to go down to florida state all over the eastern seaboard but racking up wins another big one coming on saturday it's always a great day to be a tar heel you know it and i know it we'll talk again tomorrow but until then peace